it is not that expensive to live the crazy lifestyle that you see online. Everyone's so focused on signing clients, but no one's focused on retaining clients and increasing lifetime value of clients. I would always pay myself the absolute bare minimum out of the business as long as possible. If someone was like, yo, like you lost your audience today, but like you have to start a new software company, I'm building a power dialer. You know, I went from zero to 100K in 95 days. Like I really cracked the code on some of these short form, you know, little algorithms. Nothing that you do in your life right now has to take as long as what you say it's going to take. I know probably like two people that can actually get their clients results with a marketing agency. And I know a lot of marketing agency opportunities. If you look back of like what it meant to be an entrepreneur, it's like you're solving actual problems. Like you're providing massive value to a marketplace. Like you're not just selling some sort of claim online. I don't think personal brands is going to be enough pretty soon. And on top of that, again, a personal brand is not really a sellable business. If you make no money right now, right? Like whether you're starting a software company, an agency, whatever. The only thing that moves the needle is getting your first customer. First things first. First guys, before we get started with this podcast, do me a solid favor and subscribe to this on whatever platform you're listening to it right now, whether that's YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, I'd appreciate if you just hit that subscribe button and it lets me know that the content that I'm putting out for you guys is hitting your ears at the right time. Much love. This podcast is sponsored by contentremoval.com. So whether you're looking to remove any images, videos, search results, fake Instagram accounts, get in touch with us at contentremoval.com. And we are back with the podcast. And today I'm coming to you live from Miami and I'm hyped to do this one today because this this one's as much for you guys as it is for my curiosity because this man here, I know him as No Code Alex, Alex Hayden. I'm going to introduce him to you in a minute. But the, the way I came across Alex was I was on Twitter and I was searching for like these seeing what money Twitter was saying about this, that, and the other. And I found out about this thing called no code software and how these people are making money and selling these brands with no code software. And Alex Hayden is the king of that. Welcome to the show, my man. Yeah, I appreciate you having me. I'm really excited for this one. Mate, mate, I'm, I'm happy to have you here, but I just wanted to kind of, before we go into all this no code software and everything that's going on with, with the no code space and what you've been delving into for the last few years, I kind of want to give people a bit of an insight because obviously you're 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 a young lad that's gone um, from from living in uh, Mississippi, I think, and you've or uh, another state, and you've gone from that to taking yourself out of the state and earning your first dollars online. Mm-hmm. Can you give me a bit of an insight into like how you found the online world in the first place, and like what you what you were doing to kind of get you know what you're putting in place to kind of make your first dollars online? Yeah, so I was um, in Missouri for college at St. Louis University, but even before that, I was living in Ohio, still in high school, and there's this guy that I grew up playing tennis with that I followed on Instagram, and it was in February of like, I don't remember if it was 2018 or 2019, but I think it was 2019, and he put up a story, it was a Shopify screenshot of him putting up like 250k in a month, and I didn't understand at the time either that was like, you know, revenue and who knows what the margins were. But I just saw like 250 grand in a month. And I was like, dude, what are you doing? And he told me, he was like, I'm drop shipping. He like explained the business model to me. I never heard of it. And so that led me starting to go down the online business rabbit hole. And I was like, well, if this guy did 250K in a month drop shipping, like why can't I? And so I tried to start off in drop shipping. I had no success with it ever. In fact, I lost a lot of money. And But it still led me into discovering what online business is and the whole online money thing. And eventually someone was like, you know, you just bought all these courses. Like I bought a bunch of courses to try to learn how to drop ship. And someone was like, you can be a sales rep for one of those and like get a commission. Now, I wasn't actually a sales rep for 
a drop shipping course, but it was like the same stuff. I like a lot of like coaching offers and things of that nature. And it clicked really quickly for me. I was really good at sales. And so I scaled that and eventually I became a recruiter for online companies. So I would recruit sales reps for them. And they would pay me like $5,000 to place one sales reps in their business. And the problem was, is it took forever because the model that we were running is what the traditional recruiters do, where they train up a sales rep and then they place them. But to train up a sales rep, you know, take them from zero to actually being able to sell, it's going to take you four to six weeks, and then they go into a ramping period. And so a ramping period is just like you're easing them into it. You're not starting them off with a packed calendar because they still haven't taken sales calls before. So naturally, even though you're trained, you're not going to be the best on your first sales call. You're going to have nerves you're gonna be a little jittery you know you're not gonna be super comfortable right and so all in all it would probably be eight to ten weeks before a sales rep would be fully ramped up they could take a packed calendar and actually perform and so i started to realize all these inefficiencies and i started to hear all these complaints with the sales recruitment model people like you're kind of charging a lot for one sales rep it's taking a long time like you know eight to twelve weeks is a long time to ramp one rep and you know, they were also kind of just like, we wish they were experienced. Like, we don't want people that are necessarily trained. We want people that are experienced and just like ready to hit the ground running. And so basically they wanted faster, more affordable, more predictable. And so I was brainstorming with a buddy of how I could solve those problems. And he was like, well, you could probably turn this into like a hiring platform, like self-serve. Yeah. And that would make it faster, more affordable. And then to make it more predictable, just like only allow in experienced people. Like say, screw training people, stop training people only take on experienced people that can prove it. And so I was like, I like that idea, but how do I build a hiring platform? Like, I don't have the budget to go pay for that. And he introduced me to no-code tools. He goes, yo, you could probably use Stacker, Airtable, MemberStack, and Zapier, and you could go hack something together yourself and make enough money with that put-together version until you can go and pay someone to build something better and just keep renting and repeating that process. And so now I was really intrigued. I was like, what do you mean these no-code tools? Like, what is no-code? Like, and he goes, go look. Like, go look at these tools that I just recommended to you. And so basically Airtable is for, like, back-end data. So think of it like Google Sheets. It's honestly very similar to Google Sheets, right? And so you'll create these different tabs for whatever your data set is. And then Stacker was just, like, this front-end, like, user interface where you could build something very simple. Zapier would kind of tie everything together, and we use member stack to keep track of... Um, payments and memberships and then Stripe as well to take payments. And so what I ended up doing was I ended up hacking together this really ugly, you know, first iteration. And it was basically the equivalent of like a business owner paying for access to a Google sheet of just like, it's like closer's name, their information, their experience. Like that was what you would see. And there was like multiple rows of that. So they were basically paying for like a little bit prettier of an Excel sheet of information and I started off charging 97 bucks a month uh, just to have access to this like little database. And um, I launched it with a thread. So I keep in mind, so that probably cost maybe 100, 200 bucks to put together between yeah. those tools, right? So instead of having to put out 10 grand, 20 grand to go pay developers to build something, I did it for like 200 bucks, right? And so I launched it with a Twitter thread. And I don't have many Twitter followers at this time. But um, so I read a thread. I'm like calling out agency owners, like here's how to build a commission-only sales team, you know, something like that. And at the very end, I was like, DM me Closeify if you want more information, like if you want to join. And so I wake up the next morning and I probably have 50 plus DMs of people that are like, yo, let me try this out. And so we close a bunch of people and it was only 97 bucks a month at the time, which wasn't a smart pricing model, which we figured out later. Um, 
But then we just kept iterating, iterating, iterating. But like that was how I got introduced to it all, and it was crazy to me. So when the with the pricing model was wrong for you because that that ninety seven wouldn't allow you to advertise it. Is that why it was wrong? A little bit of that part, and also at the start, the business owners that we were working with were at a much smaller caliper than what we ended up working with at the end. There were a lot of people making their first time sales hires, not yep. making their second, yep. third, fourth, fifth, and so they only needed one sales rep. So there was no reason for them to continue their subscription. They just like would pay 97 bucks and dip out. And so we were like, well, this model doesn't make sense. So we kept changing and changing it. But it just goes to show you with, with that story, how fast you can turn uh, a, 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 a like rudimental idea like that and just mm-hmm. kind of, okay, you know, let's put this, this and this together, bolt it together yep. and just try it. And you can try 13 of those in a month and it's yep. not costing you a lot of money because yep. the software all costs you the same price because you just, pay subscriptions to it right right so you've, you've you've got that so what when people like people that listen to this are thinking well that sounds incredibly easy you've made that sound incredibly easy i'm sure there's a lot more complexity to that and we'll go into that mm-hmm. but when it comes to people looking for ideas what should they be looking for just problems in the marketplace around what they're currently doing to look for the ideas to build the software in the first place or sure so i think that's probably the best way to get ideas is if you're just you're immersed in a market, right? And so, you know, we, before this, we talked about Iman and his program, right? Yeah. And so I was inside of his program and kind of when I mentioned a lot of people were talking about the inefficiencies of sales recruiters, it was um, because with his uh, program came a WhatsApp group chat and it was like over a hundred agency owners in it, right? And so those were the agency owners that I was getting this feedback with that ultimately led to me getting the idea, right? So I was so immersed in that agency space that, these problems were just getting spit in my face every single day to where it was so obvious. It was like, they're sick and tired of the current sales hiring solutions out there. They are dying for something better. Cause like when I launched it, the product market fit was so strong that it was so easy to sell because like they were dying for it. Um, so I think the best way is to find a recurring problem in the niche that you're already in. But then there's a lot of people that might be watching this that they're like, I'm not really that into one niche. I'm kind of just like, looking to get into it, but, you know, maybe it's their first business or, you know, I have no idea what their scenario is. But if you have, like, no inspiration, what I like to do is I like to just go look on Acquire. Um, So Acquire.com, and I'll go on there, and I'll I'll, um, filter to software companies, ideally, that are over, like, 100K a year. And I'll just look, and I'll try to find one that's a little bit interesting to me or maybe that does play into my niche or maybe one that it's, like, a great product, but, you know, it's big bottleneck was marketing, which is my strong suit. Um, but I'll just go on acquire and I'll look at different softwares for inspiration. Yeah, and then obviously you're by doing it from 100k up a year, you're you're kind of really going to the bottom of the, of the software market because 100k is not a lot in software, and it, it kind of shows you all the new things that may have had legs, like you say, but mm-hmm. no marketing team behind it yeah. or wrong idea. And maybe you could even perhaps look into acquiring some of these that are already built and kind of, for, for not much money, and 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 then relaunch them yourself, kind of thing. Absolutely. I mean, I think if you have the budget for it. You know, I think acquiring a business is often the better move. If you actually look at a lot of the richest people in the world, which a thing I'm big on is studying the greats. Studying the success. And anything, and business and sports, just great minds, whatever. And if you look at a lot of the the richest people in the world, it's exactly exactly what they did is they actually bought a company and they grew it and they used their skill set to grow it or they used their capital to grow it. Um, And so I think if you have the budget for it, I think acquiring a company is a great move. So I think... At, at this point then so what what you're saying is right and i think most people that listen to this should do this then they should they should you know list list the niches that they've that they're in and kind of and then also list by it the problems that they've found in those niches that that they believe could be solved by 
software, mm-hmm. software that could be made relatively quickly. And if mm-hmm. and if they just identified those two two sections, they've got something that and then they can perhaps take to the next stage. What is the when you talk about building with no code, and obviously you've got some skills and, and, and this that and ever in the online space, not everyone's got the skills that you've probably got or probably the uh, the aptitude for tech that you have sure. potentially. So how would, when it comes to a no code software platform, like I think uh, you mentioned like tailwind and stuff like that. Yeah, there's a lot of them. There's um, the ones that I talk about the most that it's like bubble flutter flow, softer glide. Those are kind of like the most popular as, as right now. I'd how, say how long do they take to, to, to learn to use if, if you were being totally honest from a new from yeah. a standing start? Yeah. So there's like softer is like super easy to use. Like, I, you can figure out how to use it in a day because it's just like so simple. And obviously, that comes within the downsides of it's not as scalable. It's not as customizable, right? It's just like, it's still fine for MVPs, but it's not Bubble. And so Bubble is like what my team builds on. It's like what all of my companies have ended up being built on. Bubble, we've been able to build pretty much anything that you could you would otherwise need code. Like we've been able to build everything. We've not had to move off of Bubble. Now, Bubble... I don't know how to build on Bubble, for example. It's, it's pretty technical. From what my like dev tells me, is it takes about two months for things to start to really click on Bubble. So, so even though it's no code, it's still, yes. it's still the high-end uh, thought process of no code to be able to implement. Yes. So it still takes someone on Bubble, even though that's probably the best platform out of all the ones that you've mentioned to build mm-hmm. on, that's going to take the longest period of time for someone to go, right, from zero to, to one, that's yes. going to take you the longest time. Yes, it's going to take the longest it's not to say that, you know, some people just obviously have like a quicker learning ability and they're a little bit more technical and they have like a little bit of like that, like logical brain where like they might be able to pick it up a little faster. But from what I've heard from my developer, on average, it takes people about two months for it to click. I love it. This is this is kind of this is what I kind of think will help the audience a lot. And it'll, and it'll help me get my head around it as too. Let's let's look at I just want a few examples of how people can implement it. So let's let's could you give me an example of how like an e-commerce brand could could uh, implement uh, no code and how they could build something for their clients? Could, and an example of um, like a service-based business mm-hmm. that, that sells online services or in or bricks and mortar services as well. Could you give me a couple of those examples? Yeah, this is super easy. And so e-commerce, for example, this is actually something that we're doing right now and a lot of people are selling as a service. So I know a lot of people in the e-commerce game that they have uh, virtual assistants for customer support, right? And from what they've told me, they'll pay their virtual assistants anywhere from like 500 to 800 bucks a month to do customer support. Does that sound like pretty on par with yeah, like, yeah, you, yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Right. And so, and they're like good at handling customer support, but it's not anything that's like, it's not a high level task, right? It's not rocket science. So what AI is able to do right now is replace a lot of tasks like that, right? Like AI cannot replace me as a marketer yet, but it can replace a lot of things like customer support. So what you can do as an e-commerce owner, you can do this without needing to know how to code, is you can take basically a data set. So there's called uh, prompts and completions, right? So a prompt would be like a customer support inquiry, and the completion would be how your virtual assistant handled it, right? And so if you get enough rows of data on that, all you have to do is you can fine-tune a model, which is basically just like teaching a GPT model like off that data set. And then you can turn it into a chat bot, and you can actually create a customer support bot without needing to know how to code, that's going to do the exact same thing, and it's going to run for a fraction of the cost of your virtual assistant. 
and you could perhaps go from from four to five virtual assistants down to down to one that overlooks the chatbot, which takes away eighty percent of your workload. Exactly. So, yes, yeah, so that's a, that's a, that is a you just hit the nail on the head there because that's a great example of how uh, how an e commerce brand could use it. A lot of the people that listen probably are people listening now that have a bricks and mortar brand. Mm-hmm. Um, they're they you know they might have a carpentry company that employs thirty carpenters, but they want to move into the online space. That's why they're listening to podcasts like this. They're yeah. trying to segue but how can they use their current business and the problems within it to kind of use no code to build within it and then step out into the online space yeah so for a lot of service-based business like a super easy example is one that like there's templates for you can have one up and running very quickly is customer portals right so a lot of people in their service-based business they have really poor communication with their clients with their customers right whether like if it's online, they might be using Slack. If it's in person or like, you know, maybe they're still using email with their customers and clients and they can actually make a customer portal to centralize all communications and have a much better customer experience. And then you can actually even use that for upsells and things of that nature. Um, so that's a really popular use case. There's a lot of people are building, like especially like uh, marketing agencies right now. It's a very big thing. It's like a lot of them are creating customer portals where they can log in and instead of having to like have an account manager in Slack saying, hey, here's what we're working on this week. Here's how your campaign is doing. All they have to do is sign into their portal and they get daily updates. So like that's a really big thing. That's something that we're building for our internal agency. So we have like a no-code development agency as we're building. Instead of having to, you know, send in Slack, hey, like we're working on design today. Hey, we're starting back-end development today. They can just log in and they can see for themselves. See, this is something I was watching your uh – like obviously I've been watching your YouTube videos trying to go down the rabbit hole trying to get this stuff and I was, I was sat there the other day and I was watching through your tutorial on, on no code and I saw you go into there and show that there's all the there's all these frameworks I was thinking I've got to build from scratch right because I was yeah. looking at all, all your bitty videos but then I, I looked at the full tutorial and it, and you showed in the portal that, that in this particular software that you're looking at you could just pick these templates yeah. And I realized in that moment, because I, I was thinking about building this uh, this login stuff for contentremoval.com and everything that yep. we do, because it would just be easier to handle all the inquiries yep. in there than what we're doing uh, and the way it's structured. Plus, it would take out staff that I don't need anymore. Um, and basically, I, I, I realized that all these portals that all these agencies were using were literally like white label front ends that just slapped their logo on and then changed a few of the variables inside. And then you got your client portal. I think every business should have a client pool after, after I watched that video. Of course. And another little example even is, say you do run like a, a more old school business. Say you're like a window and like some sort of home service business, right? And, you know, you're thinking, how can I use tech? And because most of these like old school businesses, they don't use any tech right now, right? Like they know they don't have a CRM, like they got nothing. And I had, I've had a lot of people even inquire. They're like, yo, I want to build something for like event planners. I want to build something for roofers, window installers, because like, my dad owns a company or my friend does and they have zero tech and they're running super inefficient, right? Or like the tech that is out there, like they don't want to use Salesforce. They don't want to use, you know, pipe drive because these CRMs are, they're massive CRM companies that are expensive and they aren't tailored to just like a small local business. And so instead of having to go pay a bunch of money for a popular big CRM, they can just build their own. They can customize it to their, you know, small niche and they can just use it for their own internal use case. Like you don't even have to, like no code isn't all about even building stuff to sell as a service to other people. Another big use case is using it to build internal solutions for your own business. So that way you don't have to go pay a bunch of money somewhere else, right? Yeah, I think, I think, that's, I think you just hit the nail again on the head there because like you, you, when you start, what most people don't realize when you start an online business is you get, 
you have to get loads of these soft. You get the email service provider, yep. and then when you get ten, past ten thousand emails, that goes from forty nine dollars yep. a month to three hundred dollars, three hundred forty nine dollars a month. And it's like your CRM when your CRM hits like five thousand people, that's that goes from being ninety nine dollars a month to five hundred ninety nine dollars yep. a month, and it just keeps infinitely scaling. And that's why software is such a, a beautiful business model for people to get into. But the but the the the, the, the problem is that the that you as a, a business owner, you're paying all these subscriptions, all these things. And what you're essentially saying is you can just bring all that into this online portal that you build for your business. So the best thing then that most people could build right now is to, is to use one of these templates to build their internal portal for their company. And then whilst they're learning that, whether that's bricks or more, whether that's econ, whether that's whatever business you're in, just build that for that. And then you, you're learning with it with inside that, what you can do essentially. Yes. I mean, I think that's one of the best things that you can do. And again, I completely agree with what you said of every business should have a customer portal because it has such a big increase on the user experience and it makes it such like a better relationship. And I think that's something that's super overlooked now because I've talked about this a lot. I think everyone's because of like all these like programs that have come out and all these people and there's all these claims online of like get your I always talk about like you know info products that's like selling claims right yeah and so there's all these people that are like get your first client in 90 days like add your first client in 30 days whatever it is so everyone's so focused on signing clients but no one's no one's focused on retaining clients and increasing lifetime value of clients and so this is one of those things that you can do that really sets yourself apart from other from other businesses is when you focus on improving their experience and in doing so you actually get more lifetime value out of them and so then you keep customers longer and now you can pay more to acquire more customers when i was when i first started my business in 2017 i didn't realize this but it was about mid 2018 i cottoned on to the fact of hang on a minute if you just if you you can just keep selling to the same clients if right. you provide a good if you provide a good service and you know most people don't most people are always out there trying to market 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 get more 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 customers and keep replacing what they're losing because they're giving a bad service yeah and it's so much cheaper in the long run if you when you've acquired that first customer just to keep serving them the same stuff or or add more services in so how have you seen people build out the minimum viable and then scale the the revenue with inside that minimum minimum viable product when it comes to software yeah so it also depends on like what stage of your journey you're at because say you're someone like me now, like I'm not going to go and build my MVP on, on software anymore. I'm just going to go straight to bubble because then I know I'll never have to move off of it, right. right? But if you're in a position where you're not able to do that yet and you are going to start on software, you're going to scrap something together on you know Stacker and Airtable and Member Stack like I did originally, you need to solve the core like value component that they're looking for. So like with Closeify, I mentioned they were annoyed that, you know, it took so long, that it was so expensive and that, you know, the, the reps like were trained but weren't experienced. And so I was like, this is all I need to solve is those problems. I don't have to make it pretty. It doesn't have to have dark mode. It doesn't have to have all the other features that we added on later on, like being able to interview people through the platform, hire through the platform, pay out through the platform upload training materials into the platform. All of those things came later. Yeah. Because the first iteration, all you were doing is solving the core problems and you were validating the idea, you're getting your first users and you're interviewing every single user, figuring out what they like, what they don't like, what they want next, and you're going to iterate off of that feedback. But we need to be able to afford to iterate on that feedback. Unless, again, unless you're just going to continue to go out of pocket 
But if you're trying to really scrap it together and you're really trying to bootstrap it like I did, you've got to get customers, get some money in the door, and then put it straight back into development. And that is the one interesting thing about software that I think a lot of people need to understand if they're going to get into it is I look at it like a retirement account. I am not, you should not get into software with the idea of like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be cash flowing so much money. Like I'm going to go get myself that nice car, like that nice apartment. Like I would always pay myself the absolute bare minimum out of, you know, the business as long as possible. And like I said, think of it like a retirement account, keep as much money in it, keep as much money, keep as much money in it. And then like one day, like when you exit it, like that's when you can have your payday. But I think it's really important that people understand that when they're thinking about getting into software because you're bootstrapping, all that money is going to go back into research and development. I think that applies to every business that anyone's running. I think you just got to keep putting into right. it and, pa- and paying into it and pa- playing that playing that long game, you know. Play, you, you're playing tennis, you're playing a set. You're not, you're not, you know, to win the match eventually and the match the match winning being, okay, I exit this company, I make a bunch of money and I make the multiple on the exit. Right. You can still take out a, a nice, sizable wage for yourself along the way that's not exuberant. But what Worse. essentially what you're saying is don't go and take out Lambo money. Of course. If it starts making that kind of money, don't go pulling Lambo money out of it every month. You want to put that into redeveloping it so that that becomes a better piece of software so that right. you can raise the multiple. Oh, what kind of multiple? Would these... With these things that are made on Bubble that you've seen, and obviously mm-hmm. Bubble's the best platform to build it on, guys, if you're going to build it. Um, but when the, when they build them on Bubble, what's, what kind of multiples have you seen from, not yourself, but other people in your niche uh, get when they exit a, like a Bubble yeah. application made software? So it's a super interesting question because it's like one that I get a lot and kind of like a myth that a lot of people will say of like, there's no way that you know a no-code app can sell for a same or similar multiple as something built with code. And it's not true. And this is because of the tech moat has diminished, right? Like there's not, there's no such thing as a tech moat anymore, really, because still to build on bubble, like you can still spend tens of thousands of dollars building on bubble. And you probably will over the course of like, you know, you might pay 10 grand for the MVP. And then by the time two years goes by, you might be 50, 60, 70 grand deep in development, right? Which is not that much less than if you build most things on code. And so, whether you spend 30 grand on bubble or like say 70 grand on code, it's not that much of a difference. The moat now is in actually having users and the ability to, you know, iterate on that feedback. And so with that being said, the multiples are about the same and the multiples have come down from, you know, 2021 era when they were just absolutely ludicrous. Like 20, 20 X multiples. Yeah. But you can still, I'm still seeing five, six X on annual profit. Um, as like a pretty common multiple. And there's obviously a lot of other factors. Like I can tell you, you know, people care, like what matters the most is your churn, right? Like if you have a higher churn, you're not going to get a good multiple. And the other thing is they just want to see a lot of users, right? Because say, you know, you have 200 users and churn is low, but you have to keep in mind that if 10 people churn, that's a decent, that, that, that's a decent a chunk. High percentage, yeah. Right. Whereas if you have 1,000 users and 10 people churn, you don't care. So you want to yeah. you want to go for you know a software where you can get a lot of users on it as well. And with the, and with, and when you're building on these no code platforms, is there a sweet spot in terms of um, the the fee that you charge the users? So is 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 this kind of applicable for products that you charge users say between forty nine dollars a month and two hundred and fifty dollars a month, or can you build things like you know the the Alex Becker model where he he's got high ROS and he 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 charges 
thousands of dollars right. per year to high-end software um, that may or may not be built no code. We don't know. But w- what I'm saying is, can you can you run that kind of software company on it as well and, and do those kind of things? Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, it's totally dependent on what type of problems you're solving and what you're trying to achieve between like how much you're going to charge, right? Like, and it's also like if you're going B to C, like you're not going to be, you know, business to consumer, you're not going to be charging much money. Like, you know, there's like a lot of these like little spin up AI softwares right now to like AI to do students' homeworks, right? Yeah. It's like a cool thing. It's trendy. You can get a lot of users on it, but they're not going to pay more than like 10 bucks a month because they're college and high school students. You know what I mean? Um, and like you said, Becker, I mean, honestly, I do still believe that B2B software is probably one of the, like the it's, best. It's, it's probably the best way to like make significant money because like you said, if you can get people to pay thousands of dollars per month for your software, like that's really nice because you get cash in the door a lot faster to go back into research and development. And it just, so then it scales so easily. You can build the sales team very easily, uh, which is all things that like, you know, I'm very familiar with. So like, I always want to be able to build a sales team for my products. Um, and the reason that he was obviously able to charge so much is because it just, it made business owners so much more money. Right. And so he was just basically taking a percentage of the extra that he was making them in a sense. Yeah, and I, I loved the reason why I study him specifically as an entrepreneur is, is one because I think he's a phenomenal entrepreneur, but two because he, I just love the way he picks the niche because he's very he's very particular about the niche he picks and it's always a highly he the, the like you say the results that he's given the, the client on the front end are, are are massively valuable and because right. of that he's always got a company that can charge two or three grand for when they sign it per month. Yeah. And the beauty of that is the fact of what you're saying is that he can now spend yeah. about more than any other competitor, any other, because he can spend like, he can spend like 30 grand up front to acquire a customer. Not yeah. that he's going to spend that much, but he could spend 30 grand to acquire right. a customer because he knows after 12 months that that customer's paid off. Yeah. And, and, and he knows the average customer stays for three years or four years yeah. or forever. So you can afford, if you can afford to spend 30 grand to acquire your first customer because you know you've got the back end that works yep. for that, you've, you've got unlimited scale, which, yep. which, is not, which, is not, which is what most people don't realize in software because they go and build the $49 tool. Yeah. And then, but then they're competing with someone like that's got a bit more budget, maybe like a Neil Patel in SEO. Mm-hmm. He's got a bit more budget and he can just absolutely wipe you because he can afford to wait longer before the dollars turn over. Yeah. So, like, where can is is there is there a bit of, is there a bit of a sweet spot with that from your opinion where you can kind of like marry those two together so you can get over yeah. that? So I always like to say unless you have a massive audience, I don't like anything under fifty dollars a month because if you have fifty dollars a month and you know you at least have like say they say for at least six months on average, at least you still have like three hundred dollars average LTV, which is not bad. Like. It's not amazing, but it's not bad. Like, I think you can get away with that. To, uh, at least a, you can make a very decent company that has a $300 LTV. Um, it'll be hard to acquire customers profitably on ads at that LTV, but it's possible, right? What I really like is I love, like, per seat-based pricing. Um, I love usage-based pricing, and I love now enterprise type of pricing. I'll give you an example for each of them. So per seat based pricing, if I like had, to, if someone was like, yo, like you lost your audience today, but like you have to start a new software company, I'm building a power dialer. And the reason is the one that I used to use sucked. I hated it. And, but it was like, I want to say they were like $50 a month 
per user that you have using the power dialer. So we had a team of cold callers that were cold calling on our behalf. And I want to say we had like, we had 10 of them, I want to say. And I think it was like $50 a month each. So we were paying them like 500 bucks a month then, right? And they also lock you in like a year-long contract. It adds up. Predictable revenue. You add that, you know, if this company is successful, that they're adding more seats to it. Yep. CRMs do this all the time. Exactly. $49 for the basic CRM or one to th- one to two seats. And then as soon as you start getting past five seats on a CRM, it's like yep. off, off to the moon. Yep. So I love per seat based pricing like that. I love usage based. Um, so now there's like, this is really relevant with like softwares that are built off of like open AI. Like say you do fine tune a model for whatever and you sell that as a service, you can build them. You can do a flat rate. sale. you can do it's like 20 bucks a month plus usage. So as much as they use their model, they're going to get charged and you basically upcharge, you know, whatever open AI charges per token. And you basically, you know, make a margin on that. And so if you build something really cool that people use a lot, then you're going to get a really, you know, you're going to get a really great monthly recurring revenue from that. Um, And the last one is just like enterprise type of pricing where you can target big corporations and, you know, they're just going to pay you thousands of bucks per month. Another good one here is just like some of these no code builders, like there's certain no code builders that they're not, they're approaching these enterprise level companies to build internal software for them and host it on their no code builder. And they're getting thousands of dollars a month that way. So you can land some really big enterprise level contracts doing it that way. So it's not like, Hey, like build a software on our platform and go sell it to other people. It's like, there are these giant companies that need internal software built and they're hosting it on their platform and they're getting thousands of dollars a month for that. I suppose another thing you could do is once you say you're a, a carpentry firm, and let's just t- pick bricks and mortar, for instance, and you build um, the perfect CRM for the 50 to 100 person carpentry firm, mm-hmm. and then you know that every other carpentry firm in the world would make more money if you sold this to them, you could just literally literally copy and white label that code into other people's businesses and charge 30, 40 grand a pop to do it. Mm-hmm. If if Because if, if I can prove that I can save you hundreds of thousands of dollars in lost time per year from using my CRM. Am I going to pay you 20,000 just to copy and paste it into my business? Of course I am. Right. And that, and that's, that's probably another good way of making a lot of money really fast as well. If by refining it with inside your business and then copy and pasting it into other people's business. Yep. Yeah. That's even like, uh, that even goes beyond kind of just like software, but there's a lot of like a big thing now is like automations as a service, right? figuring out automations that make your business more money or save you more time and just selling that automation to other companies. That's a big thing right now too. And how many of these softwares that we see right now that, cause obviously AI is the buzzword. Everyone's got sure. XYZ.AI um, and they're all, they're all front front claiming that it's all AI run. Is that simply then a lot, 80% of the tools that we see now online that are calling AI, is it just literally like chat GPT plugged in the back end? Uh, tail into into like a tailwind data sheet with a no code front end is that kind of what i'm looking yeah. at yeah that's what most of these ai softwares are they're just like chat gbt wrappers basically um or they might you know they might be a fine-tuned model but they're super simple um and a lot of them they just have like somewhat viral potential like you know if you're good at content marketing or you hire a bunch of creators which is like a whole another rant like i think like the future of like marketing in general is having a team of creators under your brand but um that's a wholly different totally different rant well let, let, let's let's go into that because I, I mean, i'm interested in where you think the world's going because 
are you saying then that everything now is going to be cre- creator-led when it comes to um, bringing down the cost of acquiring a customer? You need to be you need to be a brand with lots of creators on your front end rather than a brand that just goes out and creates the marketing and markets it themselves. I, I think so. And so I'll give you a good example is I think a lot of these personal brands are not going to be enough pretty soon. And so basically, so I have like my development agency, right? And it's called No Code, No Problem. But right now, and let's say, I think a lot of these companies that aren't sellable right now are going to become sellable. Like right now, I wouldn't call it a sellable business, right? Because it's very tied to like my Instagram account, my YouTube, whatever. I wouldn't call it sellable. It's basically like people don't know the name's No Code, No Problem. They just know me, right? Yep. I think the future is your brand is No Code, No Problem. And then underneath your brand is a bunch of creators. And so... So not just no code Alex, but yeah. no code Jeff, no code Sally. You Ex- know exactly, and that's kind of the direction that I'm heading in. Is I'm going to hire a bunch of creators. I'm going to give them standard operating procedures on how to make content, and particularly like I'm going to hire people that are in this, like actually in the space, like not random Joe off the street. Hey, do you want to come talk about no code? People that are actually passionate about no code, people that understand it. But I'm going to teach them how to make engaging content. And I think the future is there's an overarching brand. Another like great example is I wouldn't be surprised if like Alex Hormozzi. People do know acquisition.com, but they probably know Alex Hormozzi a little bit better still. Yeah. I think it would be a really good play for him to like accomplish his goal that he just talked about of like making business education free is for him to go hire a bunch of creators to talk about and make content about acquisition.com and how it's it is the hub for free business education, right? Because then it's like Right now, it's just like, if you know Alex Hormozzi, you know acquisition.com. But I think there's a, like, where I think the future is heading is where someone can basically hear about acquisition.com without knowing who Alex Hormozzi is, right? Like, I want someone to hear about my no-code development agency without knowing who I am. I want people to hear about my software company without knowing who I am. They just heard it from another creator that's under my brand. I think that's the future of where we're going. I don't think personal brands is going to be enough pretty soon. And on top of that, again, a personal brand is not really a sellable business. If you remove the one singular person out of the brand, I think it becomes a sellable business. Yeah, I was I was thinking about this the other day when it comes to like Mr. Beast and his YouTube channels and, mm-hmm. and everything that he's got going on. I understand that he's got a lot of uh, brands that are built off the back of his name, like Beastbergs and all that stuff. And I understand that his channels are very viable with his content. But say, let's just say, I saw it with... Um, what was that? There's a brand, uh, Barstool Sports. I saw it with Barstool Sports. It mm-hmm. got sold for 500 million, mm-hmm. right? The same way that, that they're saying Mr. Beast's content could be sold for 10 billion plus, right? right? It got sold for 500 million. Yeah. That brand could not scale it and could not get the value out of it. Plus, it left them wide open because of the type of content that they're producing to get investigated for other stuff. Mm-hmm. So they had to sell it back to the guy that they just paid 500 million to. Uh, literally a year later they sold it back for a dollar and it's it, the, the the i was reading through the stipulation of the agreement when they sold it back they sold it back for a dollar and then they get 30 percent of the sale price when it's sold when he sells it again which he said he's not going to which which he said he's not going to but he but he but he may or may not right right we we don't know that yeah. but what i'm saying is br- any corporate brand would want to buy all of mr beast's back catalog for mm-hmm. 10 billion right now but I think inside two years from him selling it, he would be able to buy it back for a fraction of that because they would have murdered it and it wouldn't it wouldn't have done 
it wouldn't have done it wouldn't have hit the points that for the exact same reasons what you've just said yeah once you've got a person attached to a brand you can't really sell it without the person and if you do you might get a high multiple for it but you'll end up being able to buy it back for pennies on the dollar anyway because they, yeah. they won't be able to do anything with it yeah exactly and so, yeah, and it's actually funny that you brought up Barstool because it's actually like a model that I kind of like study because I actually think it's really ingenious how they do it because they do the same thing, right? They bring in these creators and they, they help grow their brands through, through their brand, you know, the media outlets that they own, the you know, the podcasts that they own, you know, the different outlets, whatever. It's genius. And, you know, I'm, I'm guessing they get a percentage. Like, you know, then those creators, they go sell their own merch. They make some money, which is amazing for them, and Barstool gets their cut. And so... That's kind of how I'm thinking about running the model. I do think that's kind of like the future of it. It's just having a bunch of creators. You're using like your main core brand, you know, your acquisition.com, your no code, no problem. You help them grow, you get a cut. And the other thing is like acquiring, like acquiring distribution, like distribution is the moat now. Like whoever can reach the most eyeballs and whoever owns the most eyeballs is like who has the moat right now. And so like, a really great example is HubSpot's doing this. HubSpot is... They're in your videos. I saw it the other day. Exactly. <laughs> so like they understand distribution is everything. They're buying podcasts. They're sponsoring YouTube channels. You know, they're doing such a good job because they understand the future is distribution. The future is creators. And so I think you see a lot more people follow HubSpot's, um, what they're doing and doing the same thing. And it's a brilliant play for you because by having HubSpot sponsor your videos not only does it give you revenue for your video but it's a, it's one of the top software platforms there is mm-hmm. back which which basically says by you being associated with hubspot vicariously it just it just puts full onus on the fact that you know what you're talking about and right. they wouldn't sponsor your video if you didn't know what you're talking about right what i've seen you do is the fact that i've seen you build a phenomenal brand in this no code space which is, which is what you've done now and i think when you when you when you run this play that you're going to run where you go okay you're just going to take creators that love no code, that are no code, and that are making money out of no code, but they but they just don't have the marketing ability of you anyway. So they're going to be able to make money by making the videos your way. So they're going to grow on social media, which is going to grow the revenue of their businesses, which is good for them. But they're also going to kick back students and people to you as well. Exactly. And it's like a it's like a it's like a um, a, a flywheel. You're building a flywheel of content, which allows you to step back eventually when you need to step back out of it. Exactly. And the biggest thing is like, I'm trying to, um, I'm trying to basically take a very similar model to one of my old business partners, still business partner, actually Luca Nets, um, really brilliant guy. And he did, this I've, I've invited him on the podcast actually. Oh really? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, did, I didn't even know you were business partners. Yeah. So he was a partner on Closify and he still is. He is, um, I, I mean, I will listen to that podcast and I can tell everyone like, listen, he is, um, if I had a bet on one person becoming a billionaire, like that I know or that I've even seen online, like it would be him. Like he's, he's that smart. He is like one of the brightest entrepreneurs of our generation. And um, before he acquired Pudgy, what he did is he had this massive brand in the e-com space. Everyone knew him as like that guy in e-com. And so he basically just got a little piece of all these different e-com companies, whether it's for customer support, whether it's softwares, you know, whether it's a 3PL and he just had his hands in like a little bit of everything. So I'm kind of trying to do a very similar thing of that. And it's just like, then I just, all my, my value is I bring the distribution to all these different companies. And so that's what I'm kind of starting to do. Like, you know, I have a, I launched a software company two weeks ago. I've got my development agency. Um, we're launching a call center for customer support. I have a really big deal in the works that it's probably the biggest play that I can make that I unfortunately can't talk about yet. But like, assuming it, it goes through in a few weeks, like, 
it'll it'll be a really big play. Well, I, th- I think we'll talk about that in the next podcast that we do. I think I think there's so much more to yeah. these, these conversations that, we, that we're going to do. Because I, I, what I like to do with people, I like to get people on and I like to cover their journey and and, and revisit along along the yeah. track anyway. So there's plenty of time to talk about that. But one thing I've noticed you you've done, which which not a lot of people in software do, is you you're very good at communicating. Uh, you're very good at marketing and you're not one of the kind of like yeah the the kind of computer programmer nerd that you right. think of behind the screen do right. you know what i'm saying so you, you, you how i want to get into how you've um how you've formulated that and how you've built up your resolve around that and being able to network and being able to make these luca nets kind of connections that you've mm-hmm. made and kind of leverage them sure so i'm again you hit the nail on the head i'm not technical at all like I, I can build on software, but like I, said, I have no clue how to build on Bubble. I've never written a line of code. Like I have, I'm not a technical person, but I found you don't. As long as you have one valuable skill set that you can bring to the table, you can get yourself in any room. And as you said, I'm a pretty decent communicator, and I consider myself to probably be best at marketing. And it's been able to get me into a lot of rooms with people that are technical or that have done a lot more than me. And I'll give you an example of. This dude reached out to me on Instagram, and it's it's not Alex Becker because it's it's the same exit number. But um, this guy was like, I just sold my my software for 110 million. Like, I would love to get on a call with you. And I was kind of like almost like chuckling because I was like, this dude sold his company for 110 mil, and he wants to get on a call with me. I was like, I would love to talk to you. You know what I mean? Um, but turns out he had been putting out all these videos. He was trying to build a personal brand. He didn't know how to do it, and he couldn't get more than like 300 views. And so. He was like, what am I doing wrong? Like, I have all this. And he was like, he was like so like blown away. He's like, I have so much credibility. Like, I did all these amazing things. I've been in business for a decade. I had a, you know, a huge exit. Like, why can't I get any views? And so I'm getting into rooms like that and getting connections like that because of my ability to, you know, I went from zero to 100K in 95 days. Like, I really cracked the code on some of these uh, short form, you know, little algorithms. And so it's able to get me into rooms I wouldn't otherwise be able to get into. Well, the, the, the thing that, um, I mean, that's how you came on my radar, isn't it? Because I'm, I, I, I start, I think I saw you first on, I saw a few of your reels on Instagram that are popping up and then I saw your tweets and I was following along and, and obviously I've been, I've been trying to delve into it and I've been looking at your tutorials and this, that and the other, and just thinking, okay, cool. This, there's something that this lad knows that I don't quite get right now. So I'm trying to figure it out. I was trying to figure out, okay, well, he's building on this. And okay, what if I build it on that? Is it saleable? And I'm trying to figure all this out. And I thought, this now I'm at the point where I'm like, right, I've got enough knowledge now to be able to know enough to be able to ask him the questions that I think the world would want to know. Let's get yeah. him on the podcast. But that's kind of a great way of how you can introduce yourself to the world, isn't it? Just by creating content. But a lot of people are held back from create, creating content in the first place. You said that you've grown that much in 95 days. What were some of the key metrics that you kind of put into place from day one? Because you must have had a little bit of a roadmap to, to, to attack it like that, to, so, get, to get the growth. So it's funny because it actually happened on accident. Um, so I didn't really have too much of a desire to grow a personal brand, to be honest. I had this kid that, like, he just random random kid that it was like, hey, can I, like, Give me some, like, raw footage, and I'll clip up stuff for you. This was, like, a while. It was, like, lifestyle stuff. It was dumb. It was, like, me on a boat or, like, me with my friends. Just, like, dumb stuff. It was, like, very cheesy, motivational mashups, and they never got any views, and they especially never converted any followers, but I just let him do it because, like, he wanted to, like, do it for free, and I was like, okay. And um, all of a sudden, 
So I moved to Miami at 20, not knowing a ton of people. And so there was this guy that I knew off Twitter that he was moving to Miami, dropped out of college after one semester, moving to Miami at 19, doesn't know a ton of people. And so I was like, I've been there once, like, let me reach out to him and like, let's get lunch. And so we got lunch and then like, I took him on like a boat and he was a really nice kid. And so he kind of like, then asked me, he's like, yo, do you want to do a podcast? And I agreed. And like, you know, just again, I'm trying to be like kind of, nice and i like i like him so i was like being nice but like the podcast didn't have any audience behind it yeah but i was like yeah let's do it and we finished the podcast and then he was like while you're here do you want like three free short form clips and i go sure and didn't script them like didn't have a plan i'm just like three free short form clips and then i'm out of here going back home and i record the three and um i post the first one once he edits it and it goes to like maybe ten or 15,000 views. And it adds probably like 800 followers the first day. And I'm texting him and I'm like kind of freaking out. I'm like, dude, I just got like 800 followers. And so I have like you know 800 followers now. And about a week goes by and it runs all the way up to a million views and adds 20,000 followers. And all this one video. Yeah, mental. And all of a sudden I have a bunch of people texting me. They're like, we have never seen someone convert so many followers from that number of views. Like, we don't know what is happening, but run with it. And so I'm like, his name's Presley. He's one of my best friends now. Like, I hang out with him all, I wanna all, all the time. I want to meet this kid. I want to meet him. One of my best friends in Miami now. I hang out with him all the time. And um, I'm like, I guess we're working together now. Like, we have to. And so probably like another week goes by, another one goes up to a million views. And it adds like another 20,000 followers. And then it's just like... 300,000 views, 100,000 views. Like every video just seems is popping. And so it happened on accident to start. But then I kind of realized like I I was able to reverse engineer after the facts. I was thinking, I was like, why am I converting so many followers? And basically the answer is, is because you have to change someone's belief because basically you have to understand like the audience that I want to have now or the audience that you or whoever's watching wants to have now already exists on the platform, right? Like you're not bringing new people to a new platform. Like they already exist on the platform. They're there. They're scrolling, right? So if you want to convert, you know, views to followers, you have to change a belief that they have that makes them go, oh, I actually want to see what this guy has to say after this video even. So it's like my most viral video that like a million people have ripped off now, which I love it because it's like, it's like, uh, it's like boosting like the no code space. So I'm here for it. Like people are running ads to whatever. I'm like, Iman Ghazi shut down his agency to go all in on SaaS. Like I saw this Jordan, Jordan Welch is saying e-com, but he's doing SaaS, right? Yep. So that's like my most my viral video. It's almost at 2 million views now. And every single time, like someone's ripped it, it goes viral every time. And basically the reason is, is because one, you say Iman, Everyone knows who Iman is, Jordan. A lot of people know who Jordan is. And you're calling out, you're calling out the elephant in the room. As soon as I say, and I want to, I, I love Iman. Like Iman's like, uh, I've spoken to him multiple times. He's a really good guy, and I like him. Um, but when I say Iman, since he's so popular now, that immediately grabs the attention of everyone who knows who Iman is, which is a lot of people. And then I say he shut down his agency to go all in on SaaS, and then that's a little bit controversial, which like sparks discussion in the comments, right? And it's not controversial in like a, a douchey way. It's just controversial because people might be like, 
that's not why he shut down his agency. He shut down his agency to do this. Or like, he's not going all in on sat, just like whatever. They can think whatever they want to think, right? And so it's a little bit controversial. And then I said the same thing about Jordan. I was like, he's preaching e-com, but he's focused on his SaaS. It's just a little bit controversial. They're like, no, he still does e-com or whatever. Um, and then I used the example of Sam Ovens as well, I think, which he shut down consulted.com to go all in on school. And so it's just like three different people that are all well-known. And they're also kind of like different spaces. Like Sam Ovens, people more like OG online money people know from like, you know, 2017 to like 2019. And then Iman's more recent. And so I grabbed all those demographics and then after that, I talk about a lot of people, there's a, there's a knowledge gap. A lot of people don't even know what software is. And I actually said, I kept saying, it was so funny. I said, like, they're going all in on SaaS. So, like, most people that are watching are like, what's SaaS? And there's probably a million comments on that video if you go look of what is SaaS. Um, but so then I explain why they're going all in on it, of, like, the benefits of it. And so then I converted all those people's belief. They're like, maybe agency is not the best route. Maybe e-commerce isn't the best route. Like, let me look into the software thing. And since this guy's the first guy that I've seen talking about software, let me follow him and see what else he has to say. And so I was able to kind of reverse engineer that. And so now I'm kind of like, okay, you need to call out a demographic and then you need to change a preconceived belief that they have. And if you can, and then it's like, you know, you make your claim and then you back it up with your own social proof and your own evidence. And that's kind of the formula to converting someone's belief to align with yours. And then you have yourself a new follower. Yeah, and and and, it's, and you know how you're saying about converting it. You perhaps don't even need to convert. It. You just need to challenge a belief, like mm-hmm. challenge something that someone so strongly believes in. Mm-hmm. And if like holy, I I need to question that because it's it's been called out so obvious to me, and it's you've you've brought something that's out of sight into their sight, and once you see it. You can't unsee it, so you have to follow you because you because you've captured that interest. But you yeah. haven't completely sold them on no code yet, right? But you've but you've gone. Well, Iman's told you to do this, yeah. But he's actually doing this, yeah. And because that's so obvious and and it's the truth, it's like, well, I have to follow this guy now because because exactly. he's just told me a truth that I didn't know five minutes ago. Exactly. And it, and and that, I think that's the beautiful thing that you've done with it with this this brand and. Um, like I said, the reason it's building for you is because you know you you can you you can talk, you can communicate this better than other people. What are some of the other strategies that you're going to implement to grow this even further? Yeah, and so it's honestly, it's like I want my brand to be, I want it to be very value driven, right? It's like again, it's like there's no lifestyle on my page. Like you see a lot. Like if I scroll on Instagram for five minutes, most of the videos are going to be lifestyle. They're going to yeah. be some montage of a dude driving his car on a boat, clubs, whatever. And that doesn't convert followers. It might give you views. It won't give you followers. So value converts followers is what you're saying. One thing is I'm going to continue. I'm going to just sit down in front of the camera like I have been, and I'm just going to continue to talk, right? The other thing that I'm going to continue to do is I'm going to continue to basically just show people some of the actual behind the scenes behind actually running a business. Because I think the biggest goal behind my content now is not to like, I, I of course have my own selfish like agenda, of making more money. It's super obvious. Like I would never say that's not the case, but I want people to understand like the reality of like what it is to like be an entrepreneur. And I want to try to change a lot of the narratives out there because like I said, you go and you scroll or the ads, if you go scroll and you get 10 different ads, nine out of 10 of those ads, probably 10 out of 10 of those ads is going to be some sort of claim with a very short timeline. It's going to say, Get your first client in a week. Get your first, you know, sales job in a month. Like, get to $10,000 a month in 90 days. And so, all of a sudden, there's all these people 
that think they can achieve any sort of significant results in 90 days or in six months even, in a year even. And it's because they're also seeing these in tandem with, like I said, the lifestyle content. They're seeing the cars. They're seeing the watches. They're seeing the yachts. And so there's this belief that they can achieve those sorts of things in six to 12 months, which couldn't be further from the truth. And so I want to change the narrative, and I really want people to look to the long term, and I also want them to even forget about all the things that they just saw, because I can tell you, as soon as you're able to afford the crazy cars and the watches and the clubs, you're probably not even going to want them. Like, that's the truth of it. Like, you, I mean, sure, like, maybe you're a car guy, and you're like, oh my gosh, this is my lifelong dream to buy a car. Fine. But for the most part, once you're actually able to, you're not going to want to buy most of the stuff that you thought you once wanted. And so I want people to just really understand that if you're going to be an entrepreneur, if you're going to attempt to make money, that you're doing it for the right reasons, that you have a long-term mindset. And if you look back of like what it meant to be an entrepreneur, it's like you're solving actual problems. Like you're providing massive value to a marketplace. Like you're not just selling some sort of claim online. Like all these marketing agency owners even, they, I know probably like two people that can actually get their clients' results with a marketing agency. And I know a lot of marketing agency owners, right? It's mental, that, isn't it? So, and that's what I love about software is you can't just sell a claim. You have to actually have something built, something that actually solves a problem, something that actually adds value. And so that is what it means to actually be an entrepreneur. You're solving a problem in a marketplace. You're building a better solution for someone. You're making someone's business life better. You're saving them time. You're making them more money. You're not just saying a claim you have to actually have built something tangible. And that's what I really like about it. And that's what I'm trying to tell my audience. Yeah, and, and just to touch on one of the things that you said there, it's so important that people understand is you said you're saying there about once you've got the car, you realize you don't even want the car. Once you've got the watch, you realize you don't even want a watch. Because what most people don't understand and what I realized in my pursuit of entrepreneurship is I was in the pursuit of being able to buy it, not buying it. Does that, does that make yeah. sense? I just wanted the money in the bank to be able to say, okay, you can go and buy these cars. Yeah. You can go and buy this watch. But I'm like, uh, but I'm happy in a, in a, in a white t-shirt or a black t-shirt, a black yeah. pair of jeans and a pair of Nikes on my feet. And, yeah. You know, I got, I got a couple of nice watches as well, but I find out I don't, they're more investment pieces and I don't even right. wear them as much. Right. Do you know what I mean? Cause like, you can, it's like you have a nice watch, but you can't even wear it cause someone's going to try and uh, attack you for it. Right. So, so, so it's like, it's, it's, it's pointless. You might as well just make money invest in a few assets and that, but it's, it's not really what it's, that's not really why you're in the game. Right. You're in the game because the most beautiful scoreboard in the world is money. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and it's the, one of the things that, that, that you said before this podcast is you didn't want to discuss it in terms of numbers because you don't want yeah. to flex on people, which, yeah. which I massively respect because I know that you've sold companies, but we don't need to go into, into, because you just want to provide value. Yeah. And you just want to provide, you want to provide solutions to problems and values to people on the, on the back of it. And that's a beautiful way to be because you've realized that all that flexy, wanky shit that people do online is just, it's just unvaluable. Yeah. And everyone is following the people that are doing it. Yeah. So what, what would, it, would your advice then to be to people to say, go for you, who you're following on Instagram? And unfollow all the people then, essentially, that, that kind of, that are just flexing lifestyle on yeah. you. Because that lifestyle is probably not even what you want. You kind of think you want it because you're seeing X, Y, Z have it. Yeah, I don't think there's any reason to follow any single person that's, that's flexing a lifestyle. And, like, what I will also tell you is it is not that expensive to live the crazy lifestyle that you see online. Like, you can 
like you can make 30 grand a month. And I know people that make 30 grand a month and they drive a Lambo and they have the nice apartment and they have a watch. And after it's all said and done, it's, it's basically paycheck to paycheck again at that point. So like, don't be fooled and think that because someone's living that lifestyle, they're actually balling like that. You know what I mean? Like you can afford that light or I shouldn't say you can afford it. I I guess you technically can, but like, it's not, it's not very smart. Um, on a lot less than you actually think. Yeah, because and, and, I tell people all the time that you can change your life by, by selling the car that you own. You could book a ticket to another, another destination. I mean, you could sell any car that you've got in England or America right now and buy a ticket and live in Bali and look like you're absolutely killing life yeah. if, you, if you want to. Bali yeah. or uh, Thailand or wherever, yeah. some exotic location that you can live for a few months on the money you've even just sold the car for. Yeah. And obviously not look not, not look like you're balling in terms of like you're of in all the top clubs, but you know just just absolutely change your life. Of course. So it's like it's, I don't see. I think a lot of the frameworks that are built around a person's mind into why they can't change or what's holding them back is absolute bullshit. And I think yeah. that's what you got to smash through. But some of the things I've seen you target on your content, which has also got good traction as well, I believe, mm-hmm. from me seeing it, is you you're starting to call out what some of these entrepreneurs say to do as well like in yeah. terms of you've called out monk mode yeah. um there's a few other things I, I can't think of the top of my head that you've called out but yeah. you, you're calling out these things and you're saying i know people that that work fucking three hours a day that are, are out working all these people that work yeah. at 16 so give me a bit of an insight into your mindset and perception on that yeah so there's some nuance here and it's it's fine because people always miss nuance on social media so of course i i don't agree with everything of monk mode there's like i agree with having seasons i agree of going through a season of like more maybe like a little bit more work maybe a little bit like less like partying and you're you know you're trained like right now i'm trained for a marathon right like i would consider i'm in like a a season of working a little bit more right now like i'm trying to be healthier right but um the reason that i diss monk mode is it's one of the it's like it's almost like reading like one of these like self-help books where you feel like you're doing something without actually doing something so because someone wakes up at 5 a.m. and then they take their cold shower and then they do their red light therapy and then they journal and then it's like it's like 9 a.m. and they're like, wow, I'm really accomplished today. It's like, what did you accomplish that actually moved the needle forward? Like, did you send like 100 outbound DMs today? Like, because if you, if you make no money right now, right? Like, let's say you're trying to get in, into business and whether you're starting a software company, an agency, whatever, the only thing that moves the needle is getting your first customer, right? So the only thing that moves the needle for you is getting in your outbound messages. Like go pick up the phone, like start dialing, start sending cold emails, like start sending LinkedIn connection requests, start putting out content to get your first client. If you have not landed your first client yet and you're starting, you're starting an agency, nothing else matters besides getting your first client and getting really good at the skill you're selling. Nothing else matters. What time you wake up doesn't matter. What you're like necessarily like writing down, journaling doesn't matter. Can that stuff help? If it makes you feel good, sure, do it. If it makes you feel good. If it makes you feel like you have an edge. But if you only work, if it takes you two hours to get all your dials in, your content, your your cold emails, you can work two hours a day. Like, yeah. if, you know what I mean? I agree with you. Like, I agree with you. All them, like I tell people, I wake up, I get my cup of coffee, and I work on the tasks that move the needle. I don't, I don't have a routine. I don't do anything else. I just wake up, I get my coffee, and I work on the tasks that move the needle. 
what I've done is similar to you. I, I was doing the morning routine. I was doing the uh, gym. I was doing some, whether it be boxing or lifting weights that day. And I was doing my meditation and my breath work and my um, 10,000 10, steps walk and yeah. all this stuff. And by the time you do it, it's like 1130 in the morning. Right. And you're, and you're like, holy fuck, I've not done anything. So what I've, what I've changed to doing and what's, what's revolutionized my fucking business and my life is I go, right, I wake up, I, I, you know, I just have a cold shower, or whatever, uh, just to wake myself up, essentially, yeah. or maybe not even have a shower. I might just go straight to the desk with my with my water and start um, doing doing the things that actually do the sales in the business. Right, and I'll do that for like th- the first two or three hours, and then I'll go right now. I'll book podcasts. Now I'll do right. this now after I've had my brunch or lunch or whatever I'm right. going to call it. And and then I start to do the things that you know. Okay, I need to book podcast guests. I need to do this and that. But yeah. booking podcast guests, I mean, it's not making me cash, right? So I sh- that shouldn't be the front end of the day, right? What makes me cash is removing all my content for celebrities and brands. So yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna streamline that process and make sure people are doing what they're meant to be doing on that. Yeah. So it's like you, you you're right in what you're saying. You have to kind of understand the metrics that you need to work within and what generates you the capital and what you'll find is um, eighty twenty principle twenty percent. Right. 20 percent of what you do will earn you 80 percent of all your money 20 percent of what you do in the gym will get you all your muscle growth everything it, it, 80 20 works on everything and i think that's what people need to focus on absolutely yeah i couldn't agree more and i will say the one routine type thing that actually does help me is this is the only thing that i'll swear by is the night before i go to bed is i'll write down what those needle moving tasks are to do tomorrow how many of them how many of them do you make sure there are three always three Three biggest tasks, and then I write down for each one how long I'm allowed to spend on each one, how long I have until I have to complete it. Because what I found is if you don't give yourself a time period that you have to finish it in, you let it take longer than it should. Yeah, I, you, yeah, 100%. Because you, you just make sh- you just drag things out. And and time, whatever whatever time you allow, the task always fills it. I rem- I'll give you a classic example. I was going to leave England on the 17th of September. Obviously, I'm here. We're in August. It's yeah. obviously happened sooner. Yeah, I realized that the the day I booked the flight to Dubai because I was meant to be going to Dubai, but obviously that changed. Mm-hmm. Um, the day I booked the flight to Dubai on the 17th of December, I realized, holy fuck, you've left yourself. You, you you you're 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 saying it's got to take that long. Why has it got to take that long? Yeah. And then literally within two weeks, I cleared out the apartment, got rid of all the stuff, and I was ready to move. Because I just knew that if I if I if I'd kept waiting and kept leaving it, leaving it, leaving yeah. it, I was I, I had already set myself out. I was leaving on the seventeenth, and I would have been massively unhappy in that period because I, I'd feel like I was stuck still. Yeah. So nothing that you do in your life right now has to take as long as what you say it's going to take. Essentially, yeah. and I think that's what, if 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 you can get that out of this podcast, you know, get that, take that, and use it today, and and kind of look at what your life and look at how much time you're giving yourself to do stuff, and kind of clear that out and kind of why does it have to stay that long yeah why do why do i have to be that far away from my goal for i yeah. say do you now you break your daily goals but do you how do you structure in terms of like do you have like a yearly goals like a vision type thing uh, or is that woo woo to you too so no i think that's important but they're more like and this is where more where it gets when you're at a certain level in business, it becomes like you need an operator, like you almost need like a fractional COO for this type of stuff, which I had and it was really helpful. And it's like, but it's again, it's the metrics that matter, right? So the easiest example is like, how many you know qualified leads are you bringing in? How many are turning into demos or sales calls? 
how many are turning into paying customers, and then how much is that customer worth? So tracking those metrics over the course of a year and then setting targets for those, you know, monthly and quarterly to make sure that you're going to hit your yearly goal. Like that's the type of plan that I do. So say we wanted to get, you know, the development agency to X amount per year, right? And right now we're doing X and we're setting, we're having so many sales calls per week and it's from, you know, how are we, how are we getting the call? It's from me putting out X amount of content, just reverse engineering that whole process of, okay, we're doing all of this and we're getting however many calls per week that's bringing however many clients. How do we get to this number? Well, we need to get this many calls, which means we need to put out this much more content or we need to add more creators under me or we need to start to spend on ads, reverse engineering the process that way. Do you prove everything out with organic content before you introduce any ads to it? Yeah, so I haven't ran a single ad yet. Uh, Actually, that's a lie. That's a lie. Um, I ran a TikTok Spark ad um, to book calls for my development agency. And what I did is I took my best performing organic video and I ran as a TikTok Spark ad and it went to an instant form submission. So they'd fill out their information and then be like a three-question form that information would then get zapped into the CRM. I use close and then it would create a task for one of my um, sales reps to call that lead. Um, and we were getting $2 leads doing that. Just off TikTok. Just off TikTok Spark ad. And, and, and it's a great way of doing it because you've literally, um, you've proven, I, I, I'd, I'm going to start doing this with my podcast content on TikTok as well. Cause like the, the content that obviously gets three or 4 million views. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's good content to use as a, as an, as an ad to drive yeah. someone straight to the episode. Yeah. I think personally. Yeah. So like that, that's what I'm going to start doing because like, you know, you've got all this content, you test, 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 test on organic. If it gets 20, 30,000 views, whatever's, whatever's a mad number of views for your account. It's like, well, just use that. Like you say, as an ad, run it, run it straight to a lead form. Yeah. It's like easy, easy clients. Yeah. Now, the other thing about doing them in tandem, right, it's like a lot. whenever someone sees you on an ad, right, or maybe you even cold emailed them or you, you know, hit them up on LinkedIn, the first thing someone normally does if they're remotely interested is they're going to look you up. They're going to see, hey, who is this person that I just saw their ad or that I just reached out to them or they just reached out to me, sorry. And if you're a nobody on the internet, let's say you're running ads, but they look you up and there's basically nothing online about you, they're like, oh, I'm not going to respond to this guy. Like, I don't know who he is. But if they look you up and they see, oh, he's been on some decent podcasts. Oh, he's been on, uh, he's been putting out content on YouTube that's very valuable. His Instagram, you know, reels are very informative. He has blog posts. And all of a sudden, there's all this information online. He has client testimonials online. Now they're probably going to respond to you. Now they might book a call because they looked you up. and they're like, oh, this guy's actually legit. So, you know, doing content marketing and doing podcasts and all these things, actually in tandem with running ads is actually going to make them perform better. Yeah, because obviously the, the the seven times they've got to see your face before right. before you become a recognizable figure. And if they keep seeing your face on TikTok, I get people come up to me in the street saying, um, I see, I've seen you on TikTok a lot. And I'm like, I've never posted a TikTok in my life, mate. I've got someone streamlining yeah. that. There's just content, three pieces going out all the time, like yeah. every day, like firing out three to five pieces. But, I just thought to myself that that's mental, isn't it? That it's a yeah. platform I do not. I, I open it once a week to check how we're doing. Yeah, like I don't even. I, I don't even log in. I don't watch any TikTok content. But it's just it's just mental how how you know just by putting yourself in the face, you you touch in different audiences and yeah. different age demographics on different platforms and stuff. You know. Yeah. What are the kind of platforms you're focused on? Just TikTok? Just 
Instagram at the moment and then YouTube? Yeah, so those are the big three. And then my newsletter. Um, I do want to grow my newsletter. And it's because I, I love to write. Um, like people are always like, why don't you outsource it? Like get a ghostwriter or a copywriter. I just love to write. So I love to have my newsletter just because I love to write to people. And I feel like it's a little bit more of like an intimate way for like my audience to hear just like my like very direct, like raw thoughts on any given day. And I don't even make it necessarily always, I'm sure they join for like software related content, but every once in a while, I'm like, I just feel like writing what's on my mind. I will. Um, so yeah, but that's what I got. I, I think the newsletter and something I want to launch because I think a newsletter lets you have a close intimate relationship with, yeah. with the audience and kind of, and writing is, is such a skill because oh, yeah. um, when I studied Hormozy and, I, and I've known him more than most people, because obviously he's been a client of mine in the past, but he, he, um, he, he puts writing at the first and foremost and, and everything, yeah. everything starts with his tweeted ideas and he expands all yeah. those tweeted ideas into all of his content. He's just a genius way of, yeah. way of doing it. I think writing first is the best way to, to start a brand. I think. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, not even just to start a brand, but copywriting is one of the most important skills. Like if we, uh, like I watched his um, live event for the book launch the other day and you know, that whole presentation was just a copy masterclass, right? It was like, you yeah. know, I, I was hoping he was going to charge for it. You know what I mean? Um, but, uh, yeah. He, but here's, here's, here's the thing, right? I saw uh, there's a little bit of a nuance with that. Obviously Alex Hormozzi launches this book guys. He sells it. He does all these upsells on it. And then he ends up, um, just giving away a free hat yeah. if you buy three books. Yeah. That's kind of the, the long story short with that. And I'm sure if you watch the piece of content back, you'll understand what me and Alex are talking about. Yeah. But, but what a lot of people get, don't get clear. Alex Hormozzi, before he even started an online brand, when he, when, when, when I, when I first met Alex Hormozzi, Alex Hormozzi had just exited a company for like 45 million. So yeah. he already had 45 million cold, hard cash in the bank yeah. before he started. So he doesn't have to charge people at X, Y, Z level under 3 million a year business. He doesn't have, he doesn't need them people as customers. Yeah. He, he only wants people that have got $3 million brands that he can take into, into under acquisition.com. But he's worked 10 years to get to that point. Yeah. So a lot of people are like, well, I'll just give all my shit away for free now. I'm like, you don't understand. Like right. you, you've not earned the right to give everything away for free because if right. you give everything away for free, you're going to go broke. Because yeah. you've not got the you've not got the long time horizon that he's allowed himself to have. Yeah, I think that's where people get missed yeah. missed with Hormozzi, don't they? Yeah. What are some of the books and some of the, some of the insights, uh, the ways that you collect media and collect knowledge? Yeah. So I read a lot of books in the past. A lot of the very like stereotypical ones, like Think and Grow Rich and Cash Advertising and Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss, which is actually a pretty good sales book. Um, but I will still say those books were very good for getting me a little bit motivated in the beginning, helping me get into this space, like, you know, maybe learning very fundamentals. Um, nothing has taught me more than starting and running a business, though. Like, just nothing has. And learning from, and learning from people like Luca, as he was my business partner, like, we were working on a business together, and he was like, hey, here's what you should do, like, because he has done it a million times. But yeah, nothing has taught me, like nothing has taught me more really about like even like marketing than like since I started marketing myself online with my brand. Like I'm, I'm again, I'm learning what type of content works, why it works. Um, 
So yeah, nothing's taught me more than actually running my own business and doing the thing. And that's what Hormozy talks about too. Is doing like, the thing, yeah. It's the same. I, I get the same question that he said he gets of like, how do you come up with content for every single day? Like you post two times a day for like almost probably six months now. Like how do you keep getting ideas? And I'm like, I, I do the thing every single day. Um, and so yeah, nothing's taught me more than just continuing to run my own businesses. And I will say the other thing is starting to play in bigger leagues. Um, so what I will say is, your and Alex Becker said this is your first two businesses. You probably shouldn't try to have for very long because one, it's just to learn. Two, it's to make a little bit of cash. And three, they're not going to have that big of potential. Your first few businesses are not going to have probably ten to fifty to a hundred million dollar exit potential. Like you're just you're just not at that level of an entrepreneur yet, and that's fine. But so now I'm getting to a point where I'm getting ready to swing for the fences. Like I'm getting ready to to the point where I'm not. I'm not playing the game of business because making more money necessarily makes my life better now, but because I can, I now have the ability to swing for the fences and go for a much larger exit because I don't, I don't need to pay myself more money now. It won't have an impact on my life. And so now I'm learning, like, what does it look like to build a business at that caliber? Like, what does the cap table look like at that level? Like, I'm starting to learn a little bit about like raising money. Like I'm starting to learn a lot about a lot of different things from actually doing the things. It's, it's interesting you say that because um, I was speaking to a mentor of mine literally like five days ago and he was basically saying, look, Frankie, you're getting to the point in life where you've got to start looking at building things that don't do anything less than 10, 12 million a right. year. Otherwise, you're fucking around in the wrong in the wrong, yeah. in the the wrong, wrong thing. And if the vehicle that you're in, uh, if the pivots that you, that you make, and we've suggested a few pivots, can't go and generate that with this model, sell that one and start this one because yep. and i'm starting to look at these things now because i'm like okay certain people have got the ability to make 12 million a year but are in the wrong fucking boat and yep. if you're in the wrong boat or you've got the wrong model yep. you'll never ever squeeze the juice out of the wrong model and that's yep. kind of what i've learned and what i'm learning from these high level movers in this space but i just want to thank you for your time today and and obviously dropping your wisdom on here mate and I, I'm, I'm really pleased that you've made no you've made no code to me sound way more interesting than i'd ever hoped to hear it made so i hope a lot of you guys resonate with it but i just want to ask you one question before we leave that it's a question i ask everybody um if there's one piece of golden wisdom that you can drop on this audience today that will that will move them all forward one percent from this moment and you can't leave anything else in you if you're checking out the world what would it be i would just say lengthen your time horizon like build for the long haul Put one foot in front of the other every single day. And if you give yourself a long enough time horizon, it's it's literally impossible to lose, right? So that's that's the best advice that I can give is lengthen your time horizon, one foot in front of the other, and just never stop. I love that, mate. And uh, Alex, mate, a.k.a. No Code Alex, I'll put all your links below this, mate, so they can check you out. And, guys, i just like to encourage you to, to start exploring this space. I think it's a space that can add a lot of value to your existing brand. I think it's a space where you can uh, lengthen and va- and add more value to the customers you already have. And I think it's something that is going to uh, massively grow. And you can start by implementing this into your current brand and then and then build something off on the side uh, that solves a problem. And even, you can even solve a problem within your own current brand and then sell that to your market as well. Um, if your business is unsaleable, you could just create the solution on the back end. There's so much scope with no-code brands and Alex has laid out laid out the plan for you. Do me a favor, subscribe on all the platforms, like and share it, share it, 
just helps so much when you share this podcast with, you know, just share it with two, three, four other people. If we've added value to your life, I'd appreciate it on every level and much love. Guys, do me a solid favor. Drop a comment below this video and let us know who you want on the podcast next.